This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 116 of the Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you each and every time by Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips on how not to irritate or annoy your farrier. In our new Critter Corner, we share fun facts about the racehorse man of war. In Critter Nutrition, we review three new dog foods. And in Coffee Clutch, we share our favorite cartoon animal characters. Listen in. <laughs> I'm Tigger, and my co-host Patty is on vacation, but we still have, drumroll please, our producer Jen. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. I get to take Patty's place today and ask Tigger questions that make her roll her eyeballs. Yay. So I watched something really amazing on Netflix the other night. So for everybody who has Netflix looking for something great to watch, it's called Pick of the Litter. Really? It's about the raising and training of seen eye dogs. And it starts from the moment they're born and how they get named, how they then go to their foster parents. And in this particular litter, Everybody had a P name, and there were five in the litter. And out of the five, only two ended up being guide dogs. There were times when it just brought tears to my heart, not of pain and sorrow, but it so touches you, the relationship these foster families have with these puppies. And one puppy in particular was a little bit too much for the foster family, so it had to go to another foster family and learn some better skills. And you could just see the the disappointment. I mean, we all know the incredible bond you have with a with your dog and particularly with a with a puppy. And then how they train them to deal with city streets and curbs. And what really impressed me was the training of the dog to deal with a car, meaning to stop the human from walking into a vehicle. Yeah, that whole concept. I, I, I'm going to have to watch that because how to, you have to break that down into teeny tiny little chunks to get you, that skill because it seems break, so foreign. It's a dog. It, Dogs run in it, front of cars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so amazing how those, the two that ended up as guide dogs, learned to stop. And when the human blind person who was actually the trainer tried to take a step the dog refused it was and these dogs are by this point almost two years old mm-hmm. and then you see when they're when they pick the dog to go with the person who needs a guide dog mm-hmm. and they go through training together and it's it's just 
oh, it's it's so heartwarming. One of the dogs in the litter was going to be a breeder. So she got taken out and she'll have puppies. One was going on. She failed. He failed. But he, w- he had a really good nose. So he was going on to a scent program. Oh, and interesting. The, yeah. And the other one ended up with his foster razor who is a wounded vet who has PTSD and the dog So he is a therapy dog, isn't he? <laughs> in a way, yeah, just not just not for a blind person. Yeah. And yeah, it it's so heartwarming and really interesting how they train these dogs and how often they reward them. And I I I think sometimes with puppies and young dogs, we forget about how important it is immediately when they've done something good to say, yes, you've done something good. Here's a treat. And and these people had like, you know, sacks of treats in this <laughs> Now, is, is this a series or is it just one show? It's just one documentary. Just one documentary? Yeah. Cool. And it's, it's just great. So that's my recommendation from Netflix. <laughs> it, it is interesting how be, because Right now, in August of 2020, and if you're listening to this show in August of 2025, and you're wondering <laughs> why we're talking about this sort of thing, just go Google 2020, and you'll know what's yeah. going on, know what you'll hear about what's going on. Um, we have a little bit more time to surf through things like YouTube and Netflix and other streaming services to find something that piques our interest. And yeah. it is interesting how you go, "Wow, I didn't know that existed." There is actually interesting, useful, not stupid stuff on places like Netflix and YouTube. <laughs> I really hang out a lot in the documentary section of, it's my favorite of section. Netflix. It's my favorite, favorite section. Yeah, it's my favorite section of all streaming services. <laughs> yes, I love documentaries. And, and however, I am very excited about the release on Disney Plus of the live action Mulan come out it's coming in september in september okay but i haven't in the in the previews they don't show the dragon which i'm very very may, upset that about may mean he's not done yet if it's a <laughs> <laughs> that dragon was like one of my favorite characters along with the horse con yeah, so Khan, i think probably from my point of view con was the best animated horse they ever had as far as his personality was concerned I just until thought his was awesome. Tangled. Yeah, he was pretty good too. Oh my god. Maximus. <laughs> Maximus. <laughs> so Netflix, what's the what's the show called again? Pick of the Litter. Pick of the Litter on Netflix. So check it out. I'm looking forward to watching the new Holmes flick that's coming out. Like Holmes Watson? As in, as in Sherlock Holmes' little sister. Oh. I never was a Holmes Watson. I mean, read some of the books, but never was that interested in it visually. It's it's Enola Holmes, and they were mysteries written. They were fiction. And it's not... Oh. It's, it is not anything by Oliver... That by the original author or anything. It's just something that came much later, but they made it into a movie. 
on Netflix. Oh. And it's called Enola Holmes, and I'm rather looking forward to seeing that. Ah. Yeah, because I am a Sherlock Holmes fan, and I must watch on television and listen to on audiobooks all iterations of the Hounds of the Baskervilles. Yeah, I did see that with the old that English actor, Basil Rathbone. Oh, the original. Original. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that dates me. <laughs> now I didn't see it when it originally came out, by the way. The which um, was like nineteen thirty-two. The version they'd for <laughs> the most recent Sherlock produced over in, in England with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, love him. Their version, their their take on the Hound of the Baskervilles, because theirs takes place in the 21st century. It's it's modernized. But their their take on how the Hound of the Baskervilles would have been written if it was written in the 21st century, I think was one of their best. The Hound, if you So if you have... Oh, wow. Uh, okay. If you want to well, I... sit down with a nice cup of tea and, and watch some Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> Hound of Baskervilles. There you go. Well, we have an interesting show. It's a kind of a varied. We're all over the, we're all oh, over the place. We're not real coaches today. A little bit for everyone. <laughs> um, and we're we're going to start with how to not to annoy your farrier, which is really important. So it is really um, important. Yes, but I want to know what inspired you to this topic because there's always some inspiration. I, I laugh because a customer emailed me last week and said that she was on her third farrier and trying to get her horse's feet done the way she wanted them. And so she's, you know, telling me the story. And that's when I thought, I think we need to do a show about how not to irritate or annoy your farrier. So I think that is, is timely. Yes. So what is your, what is your first suggestion, Tigger? Pay them on time. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I've had several farriers tell me that they'll go to barns. It's a regular schedule. They go do, you know, a bunch of horses from a bunch of different owners, and somebody inevitably says, I forgot my checkbook. Yeah. It Yes, yeah. it's a hazard. And then they have to chase them down. Yeah. And, and it could be very legitimate that they forgot their checkbook. But it, it's just a good idea to pay your farrier right then and there yep. because they, they can hold grudges. <laughs> they can. Yes. They really can. They really can. And the good ones are in such demand that, you know, it just takes one little reason and they don't want to come and do your horse anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a little respect. They're, they're a self-employed small business person. Yep. Yeah. P- try to try to plan your your budget so that it that you can pay them right then and there right, yes. and on time. And I found a lot of the farriers down here um they'll have like square or or things like that. So you can actually just pay on your fo- on the phone. Just do it that way a lot of them down here. Which is great. Yeah. Or the, uh, the I know of one down here they they have a pay portal on their website. Oh, that's perfect. So you just go on, you know, hop on the website and pay by PayPal or whatever you want to. Our our vet does that too, but that's not surprising because veterinary clinics right. have usually have office managers. But with yes, a farrier, exactly. it's generally speaking a, a one person show. Yep, they do yep. everything. So whenever they're starting to embrace this technology that makes it more convenient for customers to pay on time, 
for a lot of them, it's a big stretch to figure all that out and make it happen. And whenever yeah. you use those kinds of services, the service takes a chunk out. So when you pay by PayPal, PayPal gets to keep part of that. Yep. <laughs> so keep that in mind. <laughs> yep, exactly. <gasps> oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. My next tip is we uh, we all horse people inevitably run into trouble potentially with farriers when the farrier tells us they're going to do this and we want them to do that. Uh-oh. Yeah. And and there's there's a way to approach that that isn't threatening. And that's what I call dial VET, the veterinarian. <laughs> that's right. You get a you get a neutral third party involved. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, neutral third party is a good idea. I have seen real conflicts in barns with um, the owner wanting one thing and the farrier doesn't think that's right and he wants to do it this way and then his, you know, he's his experience is being, you know, in his mind yes, questioned. Sure. And, and then sometimes you had, sometimes you have the owner, the farrier, and sometimes there's a separate rider. Yep. That also has an opinion. So, yeah, it's nice if you can have a farrier and a veterinarian who can work yep. together as a team so that when questions yep. do come up, they don't have to be best buddies. Nope. But be able to work as a team. And again, as a farrier, self-employed small business professional, that's a skill set that if you want to work in the the higher range of customer, the customer who's willing to pay for your experience, you have to be able to do that because it's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. What suggestions do you have, Jennifer? Besides paying them on time and not saying <laughs> mean things to them. Right. I would say one of the things is don't waste the farrier's time. Mm, good one. Have things ready and organized when they arrive so that yep. they can get things done in a timely fashion. And don't, it's, it's, it's not keeping up with the Kardashians. It's great to have chit chat because I I literally I putting my hand up right now. I talk my farrier's ear off. She tell she has to tell me to shut up sometimes, um, and I'm okay with that because I do talk her ear off. But to just and and I see this a lot with vets, and it does happen a little bit less with farriers. Just because you love to talk about horses, you find things to ask that you don't really need to ask your farrier. Just you have a reason to talk some more. Yeah. Good point. You know, just, and it's like, okay, I got to go to my next appointment because they have an appointment after you and that person yep. has taken time out of their day to have their horse ready. And one of the things that I, I got this kind of feedback back in the day when I had a boarding and training stable in a previous lifetime, I had a new co new client come in who boarded their horse and it was just your standard, straightforward, full care board. And part of their full care board was that if they wanted me to, I would make the appointments for the farrier and hold the horse. That was part of mm -hmm. what they got, if they so choose. She said, sure, that's great. I don't have to take extra time off work. So we get the horse in. He gets into the rotation. And nine months, a year go by. And the horse owner is out visiting her horse. And she said, you know, his feet are looking really Great. This is so cool because when he came, they were just a hot mess. Can we start cutting back on how often his feet get done? They look fine. <laughs> the lesson to that being, um, 
don't they look good they because look good of because the schedule they're on but <laughs> especially if finances are tight or if your horse doesn't compete at a high level or if your horse has feet that are what you might call low maintenance it's easy to just go oh just wait 12 weeks wait 14 weeks wait till the shoe falls off in the long term you're not doing the horse any favors because things get out of whack when you wait that long and if you want to wait longer between trims because you need to keep your finances in order, ask your farrier to teach you how to do maintenance between trims. Most farriers are very happy to teach you how to appropriately file off those chips as they pop up or lower that outside heel because it's constantly growing too long. And if we wait too long, it gets out of balance. Ask your farrier those questions because it's been my experience that Almost all of them are happy to help you learn to do that between visits maintenance. Good point. There you go. And I still do scooters because dude is teensy weensy and he's barefoot. Um, unfortunately, yeah, you this with shoes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scooters. Scooters hooves are about the size of a uh, a black and white cookie. A little <laughs> bit smaller than a black and white cookie is how big his feet are. So wow. I, I can manage the in-between stuff with him, but Nigel has giant platypus paws and he requires the farrier to hold up one quarter of his body when you work on his feet. So I've, oh. yeah, I've tried and I have uh, pretty bad knees and I've tried and I've tried and I, I can't, I literally cannot hold them up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Much, the- much to my farrier's chagrin. Cause she's done, you know, you, you know, you can file off those toes a little bit when I'm not here. I'm like, oh. Unless I stand him in a bucket of water for 24 hours beforehand to get his tur- turn his feet to mush, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> but, well, the the other thing I was going to point out is that some farriers, and you know, each one is different and unique, get very fussy when you bring a horse in and their feet are covered in mud. Yeah. So yeah. one thing I learned is you know get get the feet clean hopefully dry at least before the farrier gets there because they really don't like having to deal with muddy feet. It's not, it's hard on their tools. It takes extra time. Yeah. And I spent most of my life living up in the Northeast in the, in the mid Atlantic region where we have plenty of mud that everything. So you kind of develop a system. Your horse lives out at least a, or he's out before the farrier arrives, okay, do I need to hose that foot off or those feet off? Do I need to grab a stiff brush? Do I need to grab a towel? Yeah. Yep. Um, figure out what works best for your type of mud and your horse so that you can have a hoof that you can actually see the hoof wall. <laughs> right. And is as reasonably dry. Yeah. Because yeah. I, fa- I found out the hard way that hosing their legs off, you know, they've been out in the muck and the mire, hosing their legs off, especially in the winter, is not necessarily best because then the farrier has a sopping wet, slippery foot and sopping Correct. wet leg to put between yep. his knees. So it's not yep. always the best option. So work with what might work best in your situation. Yeah. So those are our tips for keeping your farrier happy and coming every four, six, or eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Keep, send them a Christmas card. Yes, yes. That's a, a fruitcake. A fruitcake. Say thank you every time they Say come out to visit. You. Yes. Yep. And smile. And smile once in a while. Yeah. Do not burden, do not burden him or her 
with your with your problems. problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, skip that stuff. Talk about really important things like your favorite cartoon characters. <laughs> exactly. Or the last Healthy Critter show. Ask them if they've listened to the Healthy Critters <laughs> podcast. And if they haven't, say, give me your phone. I'd be happy to download it for you. <laughs> yes. oh, I think that's a fabulous idea. Yeah. And speaking of fabulous ideas, it's time to talk to the talking Pomeranian. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we ready for this? <sighs> Hetty! Oh, you're really early. <laughs> we don't have Patty. She's on vacation. What is with all of your people going on vacation all the time? I'm feeling a little bit rejected. Why do I never get an invitation? <laughs> oh, poor Eddie. I could go. I would oh. be so happy. Where would you go on vacation? Where would I go on vacation? I think I would like to go to the mountains mm. and be carried up the mountain on a burrow. So if you went to the mountains on vacation, Hedwig, who would you take with you? My sister. Which one? Christabel. Christabel, okay. Only, Not my only, new sister. Only, Christ, only Christabel? Just Christabel? Nobody else? Well, probably the staff because of handling the baggage, you know. <laughs> I actually see you on more like a llama or alpaca. No, they they spit and bite. A burrow. <laughs> a burrow. Now, would you like to ride your burrow bareback, or would you like to have a nice, soft, squishy, upholstered saddle for your burrow? I would like my human to carry me on the burrow. Oh, I see. You you want an actual servant to hold you, cradle you in their arms on the burrow. Yes. I see. Now, I'm when, thinking when, a backpack. <laughs> you know, you could just put head in a backpack, sling her over your shoulder. Totally wrong. Yeah, <laughs> then no. her, see, then Hedwig Have wouldn't see where she was going. She would only see where she'd thing. been. And that's no fun. Yeah. Now, I, now, it's true that when my servant was a small humanoid, she was carried by her father in a backpack to climb a mountain. So maybe I could do that. Maybe I think you I would enjoy it. I might. But what if I grew too hot? Well, the further up the mountain you get, the cooler it gets. So that I don't think that'll be a problem. Maybe we'll send one of the new sisters as a test run. <laughs> there you go. And and from what I hear, trekking persons going up mountains and through forests, etc., like to carry chocolate. Mm, yeah. And cheese. Which, yeah. No, I don't think they carry cheese. No. <laughs> yes, they do. But chocolate, yes. Yes. Snicker, Snickers bars are way at the top of favorite hiking foods. So I think you'd be set. Hedwig? I like um, any, really, any kind of chocolate is fine. <laughs> so maybe a big bar or seven could be packed with me in the backpack. Oh, and you eat them halfway before you even got to the top. I would eat all of them before we got to the top. <laughs> now, how, how tall of a mountain would you like your human riding a burrow to take you? Would you want to go Everest I, size or maybe I, something a little smaller? I'm revising. I don't feel like 
the burrow would be as rewarding for me as the human just carrying me up to the mountain. Oh, okay. Ah. She needs to work on her quads. <laughs> well, to give your human a proper workout, she needs to carry more than a tiny Pomeranian. You need to have yeah, more of you your family members about go seven along. Pounds. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of short, so I would have to have books to stand on so my head could peek out of the backpack. Heavy books, because that would give books. your heavy books would give your human a proper workout. That's true. I'm thinking, you know, four encyclopedia or something. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> World Encyclopedia or Encyclopedia Britannica? Which do you prefer? I'm thinking more De Fabrica by Phileas. It was an elephant folio. Do you know how I'm big those are? Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, no, because De Fabrica is bigger. Whoa. illustrations from Titian's studio of the human body, including a skeleton looking at its own skull in a contemplative manner. So I could view that while my human carried me. But you don't have any thumbs to turn the pages with, Hedwig. I will use my snout. Oh, I'm very resourceful. good thinking. That's very clever. Yeah, I just drag my face across the priceless vellum. No problem. Okay, well, that's good. Okay. Well, can't get anything by her. Can't get anything past Hedwig. No. She's got she's got all the answers. Well, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here this evening, Hedwig. And you you keep us up to up to date on when you're going to begin your trek up the mountain. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking K two. Oh, maybe <laughs> Kilimanjaro. Well, we oh, will. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, we'll watch for the we will watch for the posts on the Ask Hedwig Facebook page. All right. Well, you guys be well. Do take good care. Oh, we will. Thank you, Eddie. So here's our our inauguration Critter Corner segment, (laughs) (laughs) which is fun facts about XYZ. Today, it's Manowar. And these fun facts come from the Kentucky Horse Park. Man of War was unquestionably the most famous thoroughbred who ever lived. The Kentucky Horse Park pays tribute to this legendary horse with a bronze sculpture and memorial at his gravesite, located in a place of honor near the entrance of the park. He is buried alongside the Triple Crown winner War Admiral, who was his son, and several Man of War other noteworthy sons and daughters. The peerless African-American jockey, Isaac Burns Murphy, is also buried nearby. I thought that was a really interesting fact. I I knew that they had a plaque there. I didn't know he was buried there. Yes. Huh. How about that? Those who knew Man of War were enriched by the experience. This was not just another racehorse. Man of War was one of 1,680 thoroughbreds foaled in 1917. Wow. He was born on... Yeah, that's a, yes. Wow, they'll have that many at one farm now. I know. That's crazy. Sorry, I won't. I have to keep. Okay. I have to stop interrupting. No, I, I, it's good. <laughs> it, he was born on March 29th at the Kentucky Nursery Stud, owned by August Belmont II. Manowar sire was Fair Play by Hastings, both of whom were mean and temperamental, but excellent weight carriers. To provide balance to Fair Play's temper. Belmont bred him to Mahaba by Roxand, who had won the British Triple Crown. 
her ancestors were even-tempered and intelligent. He was named by Mrs. Belmont, my man of war, since he was a war baby. Belmont's insight as a breeder ultimately paid off, if not in money. Belmont was to serve in the army in 1918, so he ordered his entire crop of yearlings sold at Saratoga. At Saratoga, Man of War was bought by Pennsylvania horseman Samuel Riddle for $5,000. Riddle reasoned that if the big chestnut yearling didn't succeed as a racehorse, he could perhaps be trained as a show jumper. Really? Huh. The horse was shipped to Riddle's training farm, Glen in Maryland. Manowar was trained by Louis Fustel, who had trained Mahaba, Fairplay, and Hastings. Here, Manowar grew to the size and name of Big Red. When he was sent off to his first race at Belmont Park, a retired bay hunter named Major Treat accompanied him and would continue to travel with Manowar throughout his racing career. On June 6, 1919, Manowar won his first race by six lengths, crossing the finish line at a canter. His sh- he showed to his desire to be a front runner and never liked to have any other horse in front of him. Legend has it that upon seeing him in action, a spectator asked a groom, Who's he by? The reply was, He's by himself, and there ain't no one going to get near him. <laughs> He ran only inexpensive stake races for the remainder of his career. As his wins built up, so did the weight he was required to carry. By his fourth race, Manowar was carrying 130 pounds, a very great weight for a two-year-old. His sixth race was the Sanford Memorial and the only defeat of his career. A bad start left him with a 10-length deficit, and once he caught the pack, he was boxed in. He was beaten by a horse, ironically, that was named Upset, who Man War had beat on six other occasions. Instead of this lone defeat, at the end of his two-year-old season, he was selected Horse of the Year. Man War went undefeated as a three-year-old in 1920 and reduced the American record for the mile by two-fifths of a second. Later in the Belmont Stakes, he went one and three eighths in two minutes and 14 and a quarter seconds, which stood for 50 years. Wow, 50 years. Dang. I know. By the time of the Dwyer Stakes at Aqueduct, Man of War could find only one opponent, John P. Greer, a horse from the Whitney Stables. In this race, Greer challenged Man of War, and the jockey used his whip for the first time. Manowar dashed to victory and set a new American record. The crowning event of Manowar's career came in a match race against the celebrated Canadian horse Sir Barton, the first winner of the Triple Crown. On October 12, 1920, he and Manowar met in Windsor, Ontario. Manowar won by seven lengths. In the career of Manowar, he won 20 out of 21 races. But he never ran the Kentucky Derby. Nope. But this is this other little known fact. <gasps> ding, 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 ding. Okay, top secret little known fact. What is it? He is the very first horse embalmed for a funeral. Really? Well, he was the 
buried in a giant custom casket that could have held a grand piano. It reportedly took 13 men to move the 1,200-pound horse into his final resting place. Huh. How about that? And he died at the age of 30. Yeah, he was an old, old, old man. And he died. They, you can find pictures of Man War everywhere. And uh, if you've never taken the time to go look at pictures of him, he was rather a stunning specimen. A, a very secretariat-esque. Yes, very. You know, big Short, chestnut. Yeah, shorter couple shorter. than secretariat. Yes. I don't think that the style of a racehorse was to be a particularly short coupled like he was at the time. I think the longer cover more. Leaner. Yeah, longer back, lower carriage, lower head carriage was the more the style at the time. Um, but he could hold his own today, is confirmationally in my personal opinion. Oh, for sure. My personal opinion. There you go. Cool. I didn't know some of those things. Yeah. That's Manowar. Yeah. I did not know that the name of the farm that that Riddle owned was called Glen Riddle Farm. And I did not know that it was in Berlin, Maryland. I didn't know that he even owned him. I knew that part because I, I read the Manowar oh, book did? by... Yeah. Yeah. Because growing up, you know, anything that that vaguely resembled... The Black Stallion, or anything written by the Black Stallion author, I was all about it. And of course, he had written a book. Ah, uh, yes. And I thought the Mano Boar book was really, really awesome because it was true. It was the real thing versus the Black Stallions ones, which were made up. Uh, thus, my early obsession with documentaries. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. So um, we're going to rotate around. Critter Corner is going to be a round robin. So yes. next show, someone else besides Tigger will have it. And we'll just have to that see what it is Jennifer. and what it's going to be. <laughs> You'll have to tune in to find out. Yes. Coming up, it's nutrition time. So we're here at Critter Nutrition. And I thought I would give you my review of three dog foods I've been trying this summer in my quest for the ultimate dog food. I have a, you know, Kimasabi, who's a senior, and Thunder Bear just became one. And I've noticed that um, the older dogs seem to do better on, on a cooked food, not raw, especially Kimasabi. So while I do make dog food in my crock pot, I also can be forgetful and lazy. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could just <laughs> take something out of the refrigerator? Yay. So, yes. So I started looking for dog food. And of course, as usually happens, as I was looking for Kimasabi, I found something to try on Keen. So so much for my scientific approach. But the two that I was most focused on for Kimasabi was Raised Right and the Farmer's Dog. So Raised Right is one of these subscription plans 
their ingredients are are very clean. Uh, for instance, the turkey adult dog recipe is turkey thigh, turkey heart, turkey liver, carrots, blueberry, organic spearmint, cod liver oil, eggshell powder, flaxseed oil, and organic kelp powder. Well, so, I can pronounce all those things. Cool. Yes. Their beef is beef, beef heart, carrots, peas, beef liver, cranberries, organic spearmint, flaxseed oil, eggshell powder, cod liver oil, organic kelp. So the thing that I did not like, I, I love the ingredients. No questions. A really clean product. When you open the bag, it looks like something that a dog might have thrown up. <laughs> Except without all the liquid. And they, they kind of tell you on the package, well, you know, put it in the bowl and fluff it up. So I really didn't like that part. Kimasabi said it was okay. He could live on it. Crockett said, absolutely not. This is revolting. Wookie said, this is pretty good stuff. I can eat this. Isn't that interesting? Three very different opinions. Very different opinions. And I don't know how much of it is is sight. I mean, it, you know, and I fluffed it up. Now, is it freeze dried? Um, Is it, or is it moist? I think it's dehydrated. Wait a minute. Let me hang on. I will get that answer in just one Because I'm on their website and the picture, it looks yummy, but that's not what it looks like when you open it up. It doesn't look yummy like the picture. fluffed it. No, 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 it does not. Um, How do they do this? Low temp cooking. Okay. So, yeah, I looked at the picture. I went, how delicious. <laughs> when you open yeah. the bag, you go, oh, not Whoa. so much. <laughs> so, so I had, you know, one dog that thought it was great. One dog that thought it was terrible. One dog that thought it was okay. So, I, you know, depending on your dog, I would say a really good eater. Crockett is, can be a little bit fussy. He's an intact male. If there's a, a girl in season, he hardly eats at all. So... Um, but it wasn't good for Kimasabi. Okay. So that's raised right. Uh, again, it's a subscription service. You know, these subscription services are not cheap. And they, this particular company, they come in a bag that takes up a lot of space. So if you don't have a big, deep freezer, it, they're, you know, they're kind of clunky. So that's raised right. The farmer's dog has m- made a major hit with Kimasabi, Crockett, Keen, Thunderbear, the whole pack. Everybody thinks the farmer's dog is awesome. The human thinks the farmer's dog is awesome because they come <laughs> in this uh, sort of a long, like a salami, except it's clear. So it's not hard like a salami, but it's a long tube of plastic that you cleverly cut in the middle for two meals. Oh, how handy. Really handy. And so it may come e- with a it's nice... It's easy to divide up. And it comes in a nice little box that you put the one that you've opened and you don't need that day till the evening or the morning. Yeah. It's very clean. And let me give you um, some examples. Well, it's not coming up <laughs> for me. My my issue with Farmer's Dog 
is a little bit managing their website because you have to tell them how many dogs you have. You're taken through these steps, which is a little irritating to me because I would just like to show me what you have and I'll buy it yes. or not. Yes. So everything they use is, is human grade and they don't let you find out about what you're feeding until you sign up for their plan. Yeah, which is they're gathering annoying. data before they let you get any Exactly. And for people but who make, for say, people who make websites out there, that's the best way to get me to stop and go to somebody else. Hundred percent. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, I I don't like it that at all. Yeah. But now that I'm in it with one dog, the dogs think it's awesome. It's a little bit less dry than uh, raised right mm-hmm. so it comes out of the plastic really easily they literally inhale it now does this, does this also have to live in the freezer freezer or refrigerator okay. because they're tubes yes. they're not bags yes. oh it's real i mean they don't take up a lot of space yeah so uh five stars for the farmer's dog except for the website that sucks okay now my ollie Ollie. I had seen this recommended and they come again in a plastic, you know how hamburger meat or or I should say buffalo meat comes in the grocery store is in that. It's a little pack of, okay, that's how this dog comes from, this dog food. What I like about them is they basically use rosemary as their preservative. Mm -hmm. They use, similar to raised right, they use beef, the heart, the kidney, the liver. They use the meat parts. Yep. Organ meats. Uh, Yep. Chocolate block full of nutrition. With sweet potato and carrots and chia. They do have um, minerals that like iodized salt and they add a vitamin E supplement. So in terms of being pure, it's not as pure and clean as Raised Right or the Farmer's Dog. But Crop Keen has done really, really well on it. I've taste tested it with the others. Everybody loves it. So it's it's been a good alternative. I, it's every batch I've gotten has been extremely consistent. And it also comes in a little plastic, not a jar, a a container. So when you open it up and say you're only feeding a quarter or a half, you just put the rest in the little container. Mm -hmm. So two out of three get five stars. And I'm sure I could put everybody on the farmer's dog or everybody on Ollie. So if you're looking for a... A, a convenient cooked dog food. And again, older dogs need warming foods. Raw is too cold. Yeah. So well, a, I didn't even know I had heard of, I had heard of farmer's dog, but I had not heard of those other two brands before Two, three very, very interesting options. If you yep. want, if you want to feed your dog better quality food and get them off the kibble. Yep. Yeah. Or if you just want to add it to the kibble, there you go. You know, reduce the kibble and add real food to it. Yeah. 
So, and one thing I like, one thing I, I must say I liked about Ray's Right, you don't have to go on subscription. You can just order it as needed or subscription. So there's so there options, yeah. Flexibility. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you take your dog show, um, horse shows and travel, this is a really convenient food. Yeah. R- more convenient than raw. Yes, because so. that, that can be tricky if you Oh, that can travel. be very tricky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And sourcing so, ingredients even. I mean, that's right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. I mean, to, to do raw, I mean, I use, you know, beef organs and beef bone and, and I, you have to buy that from the raw food companies, the raw dog food companies, yeah. but you can't just buy like, you know, one pound. You got to buy 30 or 40 pounds at a time. Yeah. And if you have one dog. <laughs> that's so us to a while. Yeah. And if it's a small one dog, well, yeah. Oh, you I got just a bought couple five months. years worth of bones. <laughs> so that's my recommendation for Ollie and Raised Right and the Farmer's Dog. <laughs> real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So now we're at Coffee Clatch for our favorite cartoon animal characters. And I'm going to begin with my absolute favorite, which is Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh! Followed closely by Mr. Peabody and his boy Sherman. Now, did you watch... They made a feature film of, of... Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Did you see that? I did not. It was awful. It was just, it was just awful. But I love Rocky Bullwinkle <laughs> and Sherman. Um, and my favorite oh, one of all, because they were all together, Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah, would have was, a piece. And then, I, Mr. Sh- and then the Fractured Fairy Tales. Fractured Fairy Tales were the favorites. best. <laughs> the best. Yeah. And Dudley, Dudley Do-Right. Dudley Do-Right. Canadian Mountie. Oh, oh, and can we forget Boris and Natasha? What was Boris? Boris, Boris, Boris Badenoff. Boris Badenoff. <laughs> Natasha. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Darling. Darling. Yes. Moose and Squirrel. And it's funny because every once in a while in a spy movie spoof, you will see subtle. Easter egg references to Natasha and Bullwinkle and Boris well, Rocky Badenoff. Rocky and Bullwinkle are now on a um, ad 
for the gecko, the Geico. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> They're selling insurance the, now along the with the Muppets. Calls, calls Mr. Winkle. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Winkle. Yeah. So okay. that's at the top of my list. What's at the top of your list? Uh, the t- top of my list, Marvin the Martian has always been a favorite. Oh, wow. Uh, I've always loved Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian is, he likes to be by himself. He does. He is. Like, not really an animal. No, These are like, animal well, he's a Martian. Well, he's not a plant. An animal? He's not a plant. It's a fine line. Yeah. Marvin the Martian. <laughs> Because he's eternally he optimistic. Is, he's always sure. I love sure. his music. Yeah, he's always he's always sure he's going to blow up the blow up the world. <laughs> yes. And then I have a tie after that. Ooh. Between Winnie the Pooh and Snoopy. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the. I of love I'm Winnie the Pooh. Partial to that. <laughs> um. <laughs> and you know who couldn't love Snoopy? See, I Snoopy made an impression on me at a very young age because my me too. When we were when we were kids, it was a big deal every year when the Charlie Brown Snoop. Christmas special would Christmas. come on, yep. or the the Charlie Brown Halloween special would come yep. on. Yep, and particularly in the Halloween special, Snoopy played a large role. I yes, remember, he did. I remember watching that as a little kid and being utterly confused, like. Wait a minute. We have kids going trick or treating, and now we have a dog flying a, a doghouse. What the heck is going on here? Is this some kind of an acid trip? I was so confused. I didn't realize it was in Snoopy's head. I just didn't get it. Yeah, it. it yeah, I. It took me a couple of viewings, a couple of Halloweens, to figure out that that Snoopy was imagining all of that, and uh, and I and I have always appreciated Snoopy's embrace. Of the holiday light. Oh. He's okay with it. Put the lights on. It's okay. Oh, that is one of my favorites. Yeah. So they're at the top. Well, I would have to add that as a little kid, and I'm a little older than you, it was Tweety Bird. See, I wanted the cat to eat Tweety Bird. I really did. <laughs> Tweety Bird was so annoying, but he I was just so thought- annoying. He was just, he, I loved that he outsmarted Sylvester. So I was kind of, a, I named my canary Tweety Bird. Of course you did. Uh, of course I did. And I loved Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner. I liked Wile E. Coyote, but again, I kind of wanted the Roadrunner to catch him. Well, I just love the fact that the, that the Coyote was always blowing himself up. And the Roadrunner would run right in and go, meep, meep. so irritating. <laughs> You know what? So I, I had two older brothers who used to drive me crazy. They just irritated the living daylights out of me. And I think I, uh, I wanted I wanted Wiley Coyote to get the bird because the bird represented my brothers. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was the oldest, so See, yeah, I was probably the, the annoying bird <laughs> to uh-huh. my brothers. Truth comes yeah. out. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, admittedly, mm-hmm. and and you know, I never was a big mickey mouse the mouse fan but i love some of the other characters like i, I love pluto 
the dog. <laughs> thought he was just awesome. Daffy Duck kind of annoyed me, so I wasn't so crazy about him. But I, I loved the big old rooster. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> Boy, you have a good memory. I couldn't remember his name. He, he's at the, he's where he's near the top of mine. Yeah. Oh, he's he is just one of the great great characters. And I, you know, the thing that I I really appreciate about current Disney animation and certainly Pixar is that they're still creating really memorable animal characters. I mean, as well as human characters. And I don't want to leave out my favorite, favorite character in, um, in Cinderella. The mouse? The mice. Yeah, the mice are awesome. And he can't fit through the doorknob. The mice were awesome. Awesome. That you know, was absolutely so my favorite part of the animated film was the, was the, was the oh, mice making the, the dress. The mice. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. And just scurrying around with the little hat. You know, he had a little cap on. Yeah. Oh, he was so cute. Cinderella, Cinderella. Yes, that's it. Yeah. It. So. Oh, and um, the, the teapot. Both- the teapot from. Oh, Alice in Wonderland? No, not Alice in Lumber- Wonderland with Teapot. Brain Dead Moment in like the Beauty and the Moment. Beast. Beauty and the Beast, thank oh. you. The Teapot in Beauty and the Beast. I love the Teapot. Yeah, she was great. She was great. But I have to say in, in Alice in Wonderland, the Cheshire Cat stole the show. See, I found him a little creepy. Oh, you did? Yeah. I loved him. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland yeah, really as a whole was resonated. was a little bit too weird. Again, I didn't get that Snoopy was having an imaginary dream <laughs> flying his doghouse. Alice in Wonderland was way too big a leap for me. <laughs> you know, I I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I think when I was in maybe third grade, oh, wow. second grade. I was a very advanced reader. So I was already into the imagination part. Wow. Yeah, I did, I did not learn to appreciate fantasy until probably high school. Really? Yeah, I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy in probably sixth grade or so. But previous to that, very, you know, fiction was about as far as I was willing to go. I, I would read some science fiction. Asimov, fourth grade, loved Oh, Asimov. Wow. But um, straight fantasy was a little bit beyond me. I didn't quite get it until I read Lord of the Rings. And I went, oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Great books, terrible movies. You think the Lord of the Rings was a terrible movie? I thought the movies were awful. Did you really? Yes. You are the first person I've ever met that didn't like them. Oh, I, I remember reading the books and the books were amazing. Wow. And I think it's because when I read the books, as I said, I, I didn't read a lot of fantasy. And when I read the books, it was so vivid inside my own head. What they put on the screen didn't match it at all. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's, that's where it... It was all very, very dark. The cinematography was very dark. And it was yeah. very... The CGI at the time was kind of crappy. And the practical effects that they used to try and create what Tolkien was writing didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. Interesting. Great books, though. 
Wow. I mean, I I never, I didn't enjoy reading Tolkien. And the movies just didn't speak to me, I guess, because Tolkien doesn't really speak to me. I'm, I'm way more of a Star Wars. I, I can take that journey anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... I think- it was written with the technology available to create it visually concurrently versus Tolkien, which was written way before anybody imagined you could do the things that you yeah, do with film. Right. And I would take Harry Potter over, over the Lord of the Rings any day. Any Harry Potter movie. Yes. I, yeah, I'm, I have them all permanently installed in my DVR. Yes. 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 And they, they were so true to the books. Yeah. They did it. They did a pretty good job. I I haven't read the books because I hardly ever read a book anymore. I listen to all of them, but I'm really enjoying going back and listening to the books because they had to move stuff around, and there's certain yeah. plot lines that they completely left out. Yes, they did. Well, there was so much going <laughs> on so in those books. On. Yeah, her, Hermione and her her elf efforts. Yes. Um, spoiler. Uh, that was like what? I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we've taken you down a little walk down memory lane of your childhood and and cartoon characters, oh, we can't forget Garfield just as a passing note, even though he wasn't in my childhood. But Garfield's one of the great cartoons. Back when the printed cartoon was king. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And the lighter side, which wasn't really animals, but um, occasionally featured them. Just drop us a postcard. That's right. Plaster, U.S., 1 Cleveland Street, Gordonsville, Virginia, 22942. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar U.S. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your Wookiee. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 